Welcome back to the Resiliency Ninja Podcast. It's Allison Graham here, and today's guest is Jessica Yarbrough. Now, this is going to be the first real conversation I've had with Jessica. We've just found out that we have mutual connections, but we met through LinkedIn the first time, and her content and her uh, presence online just wowed me. And I said immediately, you need to be on my podcast. And she said yes. And that's how Jessica is here. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much. So Jessica, just to give a little bit of a background, she is the creator of the CEO Babe brand. She is a successful marketing strategist and a leading business consultant for female entrepreneurs. Jessica helps women leverage their unique gifts to create high-end coaching programs, build their online empires, and scale their business to six figures and beyond. And at the end of this, I'm going to tell you a way to get a special gift from Jessica. I'll keep that sort of back in the, uh, you know, just in the curiosity bank for a little bit. But uh, Jessica, Tell Okay, so first of all, what is the CEO Babe brand? Because when I started and I looked at that, I went, Babe, there must be a story there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, it's twofold. One is there's a lot of solopreneurs out there that are caught in the hustle, right? They're doing, they're wearing a million different hats. And we know when you first start your business, you have you kind of have to do everything. You're the copywriter and the video editor and, you know, all of that stuff social media marketer. And so the CEO Bay brand is really calling out to those solopreneurs that want to step into being an actual business owner. So they, they can be the CEO and manage the vision of their company um, and also make enough income so that they can hire out employees to do all the other tasks. So that's where the CEO part of it comes into. And the, the babe has a, a lot of different meanings. I mean, a few years ago when I was thinking about what is some of the, the essence of what I want my brand to be? Um, some of the words I came up with were bold, ambitious, brilliant, and empowering. And that happened to form the word babe. So it, it was kind of, um, I don't know, fortuitous that, 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 that it worked out that way and that the domain was available and that it hadn't been trademarked. And um, it's been a phenomenal journey because women really resonate with it. And I think with babe, Babe is like, you can be sexy, you can own your, your, your beauty, it's, you know, and your gifts and be a boss. Right. And own it. And own it. Yes. Yes. And so now it's interesting because you use the word hustle and there's a lot of debate right now between the value of hustle or is it working smart? Mm. I'm actually not a big fan of the word hustle. I don't believe in hustle. I, I, um, there's certain influencers out there as like hustle till you die. (laughs) Exactly. And I'm looking at it. I'm like you, I'm not sure. I believe that's the way it needs to be. No, no, absolutely not. Well, that is why I always um, teach the high end model because that's the fastest path to cash, not building a course. And, you know, if you don't have the following the traffic uh, and you don't have tens of thousands of dollars to spend on paid traffic, building your following, um, that's a much slower path. So the high end really allows you to take um, back control of your time. As you know, it's a lot easier to, you know, sell a 5000 or $10,000 program or get a $10,000 speaking engagement than it is to sell a bunch of $100 courses. So that's part of it. But I'm a big believer in balance. So um, I'm very uh, vocal about it, especially on more of my other social media uh, channels than, than LinkedIn. But, you know, taking care of yourself, working out regularly, you know, having a life. 
So I'm not a fan of the hustle because I think that um, it, it just leads to burnout. It does. And then you're no good to anyone anyway. Exactly. And, and they've been, there's been so many studies done that we're only, we're only good for a, a certain number of hours a day anyway. <laughs> right. Know? And ironically, on the day that you're, see, you're talking to me, I'm, I've been working since the wee hours of the morning. So I'm, I'm done after we speak because I think you're right. You can't keep going beyond a certain capacity. Like for me, I just can't sit right, right. Like that long. So that, that's really um, makes a lot of sense. The, the balance how do you define that? The balance is walking away from my computer. So like you mentioned, uh, having not being able to sit down for long periods of time, I will live stream. I've actually uploaded some of these videos to LinkedIn on the treadmill at the gym. I'll take calls when I'm going for a walk, you know, so movement, fitting it in regardless um, of you know, whether you have a million things to do, those things are still going to be waiting for you tomorrow. So just being really mindful of your time and making sure that you are giving yourself some space, you know, to move, to work out. And then of course, to shut off the video or the calls and continue your workout. <clears throat> but that's a big part of it. And then um, taking vacations, you know, taking time off. I, I know entrepreneurs that have not had a vacation in like years. And this is it's mind blowing to me. I'm like, I don't understand. Why are you working so hard? Why are you working so hard? Exactly. And, um, and it's, and it's not worth it. It's if you cannot, um, step away, then you haven't built a business for yourself. You know, you build a prison. So <laughs> you, you need to be able to step away. Um, and, uh, and that's why I, I actually schedule trips really, really frequently so that I have that perspective just to drop in. And also it's so powerful because you can sit there and reflect. You have that space. Am I in the right direction? Is there something that needs to shift? You know, we need that time as creatives, as entrepreneurs, so, so that we can dream, right? You got to give yourself time to dream. And that's why, why I'm a big believer of, of, of taking time off and of taking vacations. And I do know that you've taken some time with your daughter. You travel with yes. your daughter. How old is she? Four, right? She's four. Yeah. Single mom. Four. <laughs> she is uh, a world traveler at this point in yes. her, her tender age. And is it hard to travel with a little one? Yes. Um, yes and no. You know, I, I tell parents and I actually wrote this whole post and I should post it on LinkedIn as well around like tips to travel with young children. And I've been traveling with her since she was a baby and we've, we've been all over. We've you know been all over the world um, and we travel quite frequently. So she is an amazing traveler. Like she loves it. Um, the, the harder parts are you know, if you change time zones like Europe, it's much easier to go to Mexico or Hawaii where it's not such a big difference. Um, and, uh, and then also finding support while you're there. So uh, when I was in Mexico for five weeks last year, I had a nanny service, um, very reputable. And I had an amazing trilingual nanny that, that helped me with her so that I could, um, you know, work some hours each week. So it's just about finding that, that support while you're there or, um, when I was in, uh, in, I'm trying to think, I'm totally blanking on the, the Canary Islands. Okay. I am, um, I, I stayed at a Radisson so that they have a kids club. They have an entertainment, um, team for the kids so that she's not relying on me all the time as well to entertain her because obviously I'm not as fun as <laughs> fellow children. You're probably so, not. I, I mean, no. I'm sure you're fun, but you're still mama. 
Yeah, I'm still mama. And so doing just doing things like that so that you have that break, you're in a really nice location, you know, you can work for a few hours while they're entertained and then you can go swimming together and you still have your family time. That's awesome. So it does a part of your resilience story. And, you know, that's what we're doing here on the Resiliency Ninja podcast is sharing the inspiration and the tools for people so their challenges don't get in the way of their success. And I know one of the things you did was really come from a tough spot in terms of, you know, not having any money, being a single mom to building this online empire where you're doing uh, quite well and have that freedom. Take me back to the time when you were poor. Oh, yes. Well, you know, I, I, I managed my first companies very young. I built a startup company here in San Diego and I was on the verge of burnout because I started so young, you know, just always working and I loved it. You know, I love business building, but um, it came to a point where I was like on the verge of a nervous breakdown and I realized I hadn't really like done a lot of things that I wanted to do like travel. And also because I've been working since I was 15 and volunteering since I was 13, um, I didn't have as much like free exploration time, if you will, like a lot of my peers. So I, I ended up leaving my job, walking away, giving up my shares in the company and buying a one-way ticket to Southeast Asia. And I spent four years traveling the world. And, um, you know, I became a yoga teacher. I went on this whole spiritual, insightful journey into my life. And then I got pregnant with my daughter. And um, though I was making enough money to live, because I'd come back to San Diego, live in San Diego, which is an expensive place, I had no means of, you know, uh, supporting a child, really. So it was one of the hardest times of my life. You know, I was 30, 32, you know, when I got pregnant. And I didn't have any money. I had to move back in with my parents, which let's face it, no one wants to do in their 30s. And, um, you know, go on food stamps to supplement my income. And, um, and really, that was the time when I was like, okay, I need to start going back to something that's going to give me freedom of flexibility and something that I'm really good at. And I started consulting again for next to nothing. Oh, you started off next to nothing on the consulting side. Yes. So I had been out of it for four years, you know, so I didn't really have my connections. I felt things have changed rapidly as well. So you're talking about four years in the online space and what's shifted in digital marketing. And, you know, I didn't have the confidence to go out and start charging a bunch of money right away. And my network of people had changed. I was now hanging out with, you know, the conscious community, travelers, backpackers, not, you know, business professionals anymore. So it was really you know, a decision for me to have to make radical life changes to, you know, build, build this business from scratch, essentially. Um, and, and something that I hadn't really been diving into any of this internet marketing and funnels or any of that for four years. And then you came on. Now, I've tried to figure it out. I'm always telling my listeners, you know, I, I tried this online thing and it, it's too hard. Uh, no, I'm, it's not that it's too hard. It's just it's not worked, right? And mm -hmm. I think part of it is is because a lot of times it's easy to see the outside, but we don't always see the back end. Yes. And at the end of the day, I mean, I'm working in corporate and I love that. And one day I will figure out the online. But mm -hmm. How was it that you figured it out? How did you turn, 
you know, go from not knowing to sort of being out of the loop to having that, you know, the vision and being able to bring it to fruition? Did you use a mentor, a coach, a, a system in particular that worked for you? Yeah, you know, it was a combination of things. I mean, my, you know, I am, I do have the gift of strategy and I've always had that. So, and I had the traditional marketing background and business building, which I think, you know, if you can do that, you can do the digital marketing. It's about learning more tools, right? So I, you know, I, I went through certification programs. I, um, I got mentorship. I studied like crazy. I started building funnels for my clients and, um, and now I'm a total whiz at all things digital marketing and funnel building, though I only do it for myself now, and I teach my clients how to do it. So it was just about rolling up my sleeves and, and constantly learning and being committed to getting my daughter and I out of that situation and creating a better life for ourselves. Right. And you just didn't have a choice. There was nowhere to fall back on. No. I mean, the, the, my parents at the time really wanted me to get a job. You know, they're like, you can get a job, go be director of marketing, you know, for a company or whatever. And, and sure, I could have done that. But I, you know, when I have been on my own for so long and um, the thought of going back to a job, you have to consider the only job I'd, I hadn't had a job in, in 10 years right? Because, because except for my, my startup company, I mean, even maybe even a little bit longer than that. So, and um, the only reason why I did my startup company was because that was my vision and it was with a handful of people. So um, you know, I, I know that the traditional job is not for me, like having to show up, sit in traffic, be at a certain place, you know, all of that stuff. So going back to that really wasn't an option for me. I didn't want to drop my kid off at daycare for 12 hours, you know, and uh, be limited to two weeks of vacation with her. So um, even though they didn't really support this at the time, I said, I'm going to build my business, even though it's not, you know, the, the fastest path to cash, you know, because I was so just starting out. What do those conversations look like? Because I suspect there are people out there who are caught up in the corporate world and they want mm -hmm. to be like you and I, have their own business, be able to call their own shots, set their own vacation time, whatever the case may be. And they don't want to take that leap because they do have parents or friends or people in their life who are telling them, no, 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 stick with the security. Mm. How do you have that conversation without it necessarily turning into a fight or turning into a, uh, you know, no, leave me alone. I'm going to do it this way. You know, when I, when I made the decision to leave my company, I didn't discuss it with anyone. Mm -hmm. And here's the problem. I think so many people, they ask others opinions and people are always going to try to talk you out of something. You know, there's going to, there was a handful of people who were like, yeah, Jessica, you're, this is awesome. But you know, what I did was I had, I had gone on vacation to Thailand when I was working at my startup company and I had finally some space and some distance from my job where I could say, oh my gosh, like I, I see an, a, like another world, another, you know, realm of possibility opened up for me. And if I would have come back and asked anyone's opinion, I would have never quit my job, you know? And so I made the decision. I came back and I did it before even discussing it with my family. They were mortified. My brother was mortified. This is before I had a child. They were like, what are you crazy? You have this great job. This is what you wanted. You worked so hard for this, you know? Um, and they definitely didn't support me just like dropping everything and buying a ticket to 
Thailand. <laughs> what are you doing? Are you crazy? But it had to do it for me. So my advice to people, and, and you know, obviously if you are married and have a mortgage and have kids and all that, you have a lot more, you know, to consider. If your soul, you know, says, I want out, then you don't need to ask anyone's permission. You need to follow that. And if you don't, you're just going to get sick. And that's what I've seen. You know, you get sick and it affects, you know, maybe you're, you call it depression or, you know, you call it stress or you got stomach, you have stomach issues and all of that because you're not following a greater soul mission. And it's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be smooth. You're probably going to freak out, <laughs> you know, at some point. But there's also liberation on the other side of that. And until you walk away, there's not space to create and explore that, that, that other side. When you're working with your clients, and I know I see like the great testimonials that you have, like going from nothing to having 16,000 a month coming in consistently mm -hmm. or 12,000 a month in a, like in a short amount of time. What is the defining difference? How do they scale up in your opinion so quickly? Mm. It's, it's a couple of things. One, it's around raising your prices. You know, a lot of people are billing by the hour and caught in that trap of trading time for dollars. And this is the same whether you're a coach or maybe you are, um, you're doing some consulting done for you services and you're just invoicing them. Okay. So that you cannot scale a business because you've only got so many hours in every week. Okay. So that's the first one. The second one is um, really shifting so that you're selling, you know, the packages and also to the right people. So you can have a digital marketing business and, you know, have, charge $1,500 a month to manage their social media and email marketing, right? You only need like five clients right. uh, to make a really good living for, for, in most places of the world, right? So it's about restructuring your business so you're taking greater ownership of your time. And then for a lot, lot of people I work with, it's really mastering the mindset around that because so many people have a broken uh, concept of like self-worth and the value they bring to their clients. And so they're just giving everything away for free or for next to nothing. And it's not serving, you know, them they're, they're caught in this, um, struggle for, you know, making ends meet. So those are the big leaps that, you know, you have to make, um, in order to just sell, sell bigger packages and, and work with better clients and, you know, be positioned more as a consultant, if you will, than, you know, a, an employee. Right. And are you, do you think that that lack of belief or that self-sabotaging is more prevalent with females than males or is it across yes. the board? <laughs> Definitely more with females. But just like we know that in the workplace that women are less likely to, um, to ask for a raise, they're more likely to accept the first salary given to them at a new job. You know, we're taught to conform to, you know, uh, to please everyone that, you know, it's not about you. It's not about winning. Men are taught very differently, right? So that plays out hugely when it comes to a woman owning her own business. Not for everybody, but I would say 80% of the people that come to me, um, it's, it's a big block. And I know I went through it. So you've got to break through, you know, your comfort levels and your limiting beliefs around what you can charge because you're, <clears throat> you're never going to be able to step into the life that you want, the income levels that you want. If you're, if you're stuck in that, um, that trap, if you will, of, of not owning your worth and not believing that you're good enough and have enough value. And how did you overcome that yourself? 
You know, it was an interesting story. I, so I remember I, I told you that I had taken the consulting work for next to nothing. And this particular company, she was a, she was kind of a solopreneur just starting up. And so I bought into her story of like, I don't have a lot of funds and you know, that sort of thing. So I said, okay, no worries. I want to help you. Well, during our time together, she ended up hiring someone and paying him $3,000 to help her solve one problem. And I was furious, not just really, not really at her, but at the fact that I had allowed myself to, you know, kind of take a lot less, you know, and I realized that if I didn't see my own value, my clients never would either. So that was my big epiphany. You know, I was sitting there looking at people who had 10 years less experience than me making more money than me just because they had that confidence and the ability, you know, confidence in charging more. So I, I hired a coach and, and worked on my mindset and worked on restructuring my business and, you know, uh, completely shifted out of billing hourly um, and eventually out of doing any done for you services. So are you, are, do you still work with a coach now or are you at a point where you're just sort of, you know, masterminding and, and people around you? Yeah, I always have some kind of mentorship happening in, in my life. You know, I recommend that you, you follow uh, two people max <laughs> so that you can really implement what's going on and that you're always, you know, have someone that, that can help guide you because you can't see the forest for the trees. And I've done really well on my own, but you know, I definitely know there's always room for improvement. So I, I have, you know, different people that I work with both on a personal development kind of healing level, like the spiritual side, um, and on a business strategy side. Cool. Now, I know that you did break your hip at some point. Yes. And so tell me about that story. So I was 19 years old and um, I was leaving a friend's house and I had a head-on collision, but my car spun out and I hit a concrete wall, which is what broke the, my hip socket. I drove my knee oh, back into my hip socket. Yes. Uh, okay. Sorry. I just get, you know, I'm not good at those stories. Okay. Can I get like all like weak in the knees. Okay. Yeah. So keep going. Sounds awful. Yes, it was very traumatic. I had some good Samaritans pull me from my burning car and um, I was taken to the hospital and um, given a lot of injections of morphine and sent home with a pulled muscle. And it wasn't until the next morning when I woke up and I was like, I'm in excruciating pain and I can't walk that, you know, I started the journey of going through multiple doctors that day, walking around on a broken hip until I landed at my surgeon's office who said, we have to admit you to the hospital right away. So, um, yeah, I had to, I had to, you know, be hospitalized for a while and um, get two metal plates and 12 or 16 pins, I can't remember, um, in my hip and uh, um, stay off it for months and then eventually learn to walk again. What was going through your mind as you're sitting there and not able to walk? Oh, a lot of victim stuff for sure. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, I can imagine. Why me? You know, um, I don't know. It was a very painful time in my life because, you know, I was young, so young. And you just, you know, I will say that it gave me so much compassion, though, and, and appreciation for the, you know, ability to move. But uh, a lot of it was just like, you know, what it was, it really pushed me into a state of deep depression because, you know, you're on pain meds, you're 
can't move. You know, I think I gained like 20 or 30 pounds because you can't use your core to sit up and <laughs> all of that stuff. So it was a, it was a really rough time, but it was a catalyst for me because it got me on the path of self-healing. It got me to, um, to seek out hypnotherapy to deal with my pain so that I could get off meds. It, 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 and that pushed me to yoga and that pushed me to, you know, eventually leaving my job. So everything does have a purpose, but at the time it was, uh, it was a very challenging um, period of my life. It's often hard when you're in the thick of it, especially when you're young and you don't have the life experience to go, okay, I'm going to get through this to actually have faith that you are going to get through it. Yes, absolutely. And are you uh, physically, you're still very active. I mean, it's part, you've actually mentioned exercise a couple of times, the importance of it. Is it just something that's innate in you? that you want to move? Cause not everybody has oh, yes. that for the record. <laughs> right? Yes. Well, I think for me, what, what really, you know, I've always loved dancing, but what really motivates me to move too is for so many years, if I didn't move, I was in extreme pain. Mm. I mean, I would say it was a 10 year recovery process from that surgery. Um, and also getting hours and hours and hours of body work, deep tissue to break up the, the scar tissue. So um, for me, I know that I don't feel good if I don't move and I need the endorphins, you know, I need the energy, I need to open my hips and, and my hamstrings and everything from sitting all day. So movement is a key part of how I really stress and, and, and go through life. I can't imagine my life without it. Interesting. And then you add it into your calendar while multitasking, sort of like net new time, as Tony Robbins would say. Yes. I mean, ideally I like to go to the gym and just say, okay, this is my two hours, but it doesn't always work out that way. So, you know, Monday I had five, uh, five hours of calls to do pretty much back to back. Um, and I took the last one on a treadmill, you know, and I will do a live stream on a treadmill and then I ended it and had another hour at the gym to myself. But, you know, um, if I need to fit it in that way, it's not ideal, but I will. And so, so many people just push through and are ignoring the pain and the discomfort in their body because they feel like they have to get something done when you can take a call and go for a walk outside, bring some fresh air, or like I said, go to the gym. Right. Yeah. And just incorporate it and not, um, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. So now I know we have just a few minutes left together, but I want to ask you every week or every, well, I guess it is every week, but every podcast I ask the guests five rapid fire questions that aren't that rapid. Okay. I'm calling them the five rapid fire questions that aren't rapid. Okay. okay. Oh, here we go. The first one, a book that changed your life. Um, that would be... A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. Oh, I love Eckhart Tolle. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. A New Earth. What was it about that book? You know, I read The Power of Now, but then I read A New Earth and I thought it was better because it talks about uh, a lot about the ego and about how um, we make ourselves right and others wrong. So I think it was around just really like a deeper understanding of the barriers and walls that we put up when we define ourselves as being this certain person and, and not that other person. You know, so just, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. A time in your career when you pushed through fear. Hmm. Definitely pushing through fear with raising my rates and having those initial sales conversations and um, having the difficult conversations with clients about raising my rates. 
So have you had it happen where somebody says no because they can't afford you or they don't see the value? Like, does that ever backfire? Or, or when you raise the rates, does it just people are like, oh, okay, that's fine. Yeah. I mean, for me now, everybody's at a, a new rate. A lot of people cannot afford my one-on-one and, and I, I realize that. And so that's why I have group programs um, that can meet people where they're at. Right. And I suppose the ones who can are the ones who you really want to have in your group anyway. Yes. I mean, the group, a lot of people who don't have the funds yet, um, we're doing different stuff when we're one-on-one anyway, because they have more funds to do and typically scale their business more. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. All right. If you could change one thing that people do on social media, what would that be? I would say posting 10 times a day, uh, spamming people with their promotions and not leading with value. Okay. Easy enough. You're rapiding through the rapid fire questions. Mm -hmm. Rapid. Well done. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, Worst networking story. Have you ever had a, a bad connection or a bad experience or something that was embarrassing maybe? Um, I think the only ones are when, you know, people try to pitch you right away. You know, you get on a connection call and immediately they're, oh, I, I do. Oh, I do have a good one. This isn't it's too rapid, but a friend of mine was like, Hey, I met this guy at a, uh, at a networking event. I think you guys should connect. So I said, sure, give him my number. And he started uh, messaging me and saying, hey, I, I, I really want to get on a call with you. Let's connect. You know, I've got this event coming up. And I, my assumption was that he wanted me to speak at this event. And I said, listen, I'm going out of town, so I, I really don't have time. And he said, it's urgent. It's urgent that I talk to you. And I was cooking dinner for my daughter. And I said, okay, I don't know who this person is, but I'm going to get on the phone with them. And he immediately starts taking me through a discovery call process and trying to pitch me this event that's coming up. And I was furious. Uh, you know, I said, you know, you're cutting into my time with my family. Um, I've already told you I'm going out of town. You made this sound urgent as if it's an emergency. And uh, obviously we don't have a business relationship, so. <laughs> oh my God, and why, but who's teaching people that they need to do this? I Because it's rampant out there, right? Eh? It, there is a lot of stuff out there. There's a lot of, um, you know, pitching through Messenger, uh, pitching immediately on LinkedIn. You know, you're just in time to watch my webinar or whatever it may be. There's a lot of stuff out there. And, and that's fine. But this was an extreme example of actually, you know, I need to get on the phone with you right now. And, um, and it wasn't an opportunity. It was really like him digging and asking really personal questions so that he could try to sell me his program, which I actually didn't need. <laughs> Even worse. Right. He was, he's actually pretty new, um, you know, to the coaching world. And, um, and that's why I thought, oh, wow, there's so many assumptions that people make um, and not really like taking the time to get to, to know me um, and to see if I even need your services. And of course, you know, demanding to get on a call with me. So I, I, I'm very cautious. In fact, I had a friend who said uh, this morning, text me, I was like, I, I want to connect you with this person. Here's her number. And I'm like, what's this about? <laughs> Let me just make sure because I, I don't want that to happen again. Right. And, uh, you know, also the urgency is like nobody's putting out heart attacks in our online business world. Right. right. So, right. Uh, okay. Last one is your favorite empowering quote. Hmm. I think it's Wayne Dyer Change the way you look at things and things change. Mm, I love that. Cause it is all about perspective in the end. 
Absolutely is. Tell people where they can get a hold of you, please. You can find me on LinkedIn, Jessica Yarbrough. You can find me on Facebook, official CEO Babe is my uh, Facebook fan page or Instagram uh, at the CEO Babe. Awesome. And I know for listeners, we have a special gift. It's 44 ways to sell your services every day. And I'm going to be sure that that link is in the show notes. so You can get that. And uh, thank you, Jessica, for being here. I'm glad we got to meet and get to, you know, get to know each other. That's why I love doing this podcast because I get to have conversations that maybe we wouldn't have had time to actually sit down and just have, you know, shoot the breeze for a while, but we get to do it when we're on the podcast. So that's awesome. And uh, to the listeners out there, you know where to get me uh, and the show notes so you can reach Jessica. It's at r-ninja.com. And also, if you are on iTunes, please take a second to do a five-star rating, write a review, which are two different tasks, by the way. And thank you to everyone who has been uh, writing the reviews. And also, news, I am on iHeartRadio. And by the time you're listening to this, we will be up and running with Alexa flash briefings. One minute of Ellie in your day at the Resiliency Ninja Alexa briefing. So or whatever you call them, Amazon briefing, flash briefing. It'll be whatever it is when I say it, when I start recording those. And uh, thanks for being here. Until next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.